0: You know what, is, uh, it's true that, that people have stories. We all have stories to tell, and, and God, by the way, wants to be very intimately a part of the story of your life. Today, we're kicking off a three-month study called Tapestry, and, and let me tell you that today is to kind of just really lay the foundation of where we're going to head, uh, and what it kind of reminds me of is when I was in high school in the 70s, now I know that seems like a long time ago, uh, one of the most popular things in the 70s, some of you will remember this, were blacklight posters. And I remember like when I, I saw my first black light poster, I was standing there and, I, and they flipped the light and I'm like, oh man. And if you're not sure what that was, they had these posters that even before the black light was turned on, they looked cool. I mean, they were vibrant, kind of alive and, and they had different things in them. And then when they turned the black light on, the dark area got darker. The colors became more vibrant. And then what happened is you looked in it and you saw things you didn't see before. And so that was always the big thing, like turn it on. I want to see something I haven't seen. Well, what we're about to do is I'm about to to help you. We're not going to turn on a black light. We're going to try to turn on a a, a spiritual light, a Holy Spirit-empowered light in our lives so you and I can step back and let me tell you what's going to happen. We're going to begin to see the dark areas as a little bit darker. And you're going to see the, the, the colored areas, the vibrant areas that's more vibrant. And then you're going to begin to see God working in your life in a way that's amazing. How does God do that? How does God interact with us? And, and I want you to be able to grab hold of that. Jeremiah 29, 11, if you're there, I love that passage of Scripture. If I were even asked today, name your favorite passage. Many of you would right away name this verse. It's God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans of welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. Now, another version says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. What I want you to center in on, lock in your mind right now, is the word plans. The word plans is a Hebrew word because the Old Testament was written mainly in Hebrew. It's a Hebrew word that literally means this, to weave or interweave. Uh, It means literally, it's the word of a texture machine. Now, I want you to think about that idea of a texture machine. What is God saying here? Now, we're going to hit a lot of themes over and over over the next three three months, but let me give you a really important one. Not everything that happens is God's will. Not everything that occurs is God's will. But God says this, I love you so much. I know what I want to interweave into your life. I know the tapestry I want to develop. And and if you had a texture machine and you were about to make a tapestry, you would have to plan far and long. How would you interweave those fabric together, those threads together, so when you step back, you see something amazing? And God says, you know what? I want to take every area of your life and I want to interweave my love my presence, my strength, my power, my grace, my mercy into your life in such a way that when you step back, you go, whoa, Lord, this is incredible. That's what he wants to do. And God has a will for every one of you. And he has plans for every one of you. And he has ways to work his will into this. And and that's what we begin to grab hold of. And that's what I want you to see. Now, now, I want to say this and lock this into that, that as we study one of my goals in the next three months, as you get better and better at seeing God moving in the moment, of literally saying, God, I sense you doing this. I can sense you making this move. I can see your work going on. But obviously, all of us do a better job of seeing God when we look with hindsight. Isn't that right? When you look back, you go, oh, it was him. And I saw what he did. What we have behind us is what I want to call a cafe of memories. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to share today different different themes that we're going to be going into over the next three months, but I want to take you back and have you kind of revisit some of the things that I've actually seen in my life. Everything you're about to see is based on a true instance, or it might be a compilation of instances where I watched God work in amazing ways, and then today we want to say as we come out of this, how do we begin to spot that more and more? But the bottom line is, is God loves to work with us in every area of our life. So when I think back, I I remember a girl that we're going to call Bree today. Bree, at one time, had this vibrant love for God. I mean, she was so on fire and so excited. She was off the charts with, with her commitment, her love. To be honest, she drove a lot of us a little bit crazy. But you know what? Then she fell. And when she fell, she fell hard. But just last week, Brie rededicated her life to the Lord. And we're ready to see God do amazing things.
1: Hey, Bree Bear. Oh, hey, Ames. Cute. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I would like okay. double caramel mocha with two shots. <laughs> I know what you like. Thank you. So what's up? It sounded important. Well, it is important to me. Okay. What is it? Amy... I want to ask you to forgive me. Okay, what for? Well, you know I'm a Christian, right? Yeah, so why are you asking me for forgiveness? Isn't that God's deal? Yes, but this is also about you and me. I'm listening. Well, remember when I first became a Christian? Yes, you were annoying. I mean, I, I can appreciate you newfound conviction, but you were so hyper about it. You kept bugging me about going to church and this Bible study and that Bible study. I mean, it wasn't you. I know, I, I think I wasn't being myself with you because I was just trying to be the image of what I thought a Christian should be. And you almost lost your friends over it. But then you stopped all that religious talk and you started hanging out with us again and partying. The old Brie was back. But Amy, I didn't like the old Brie. That's why I became a Christian in the first place. I wanted a new life. I wanted to be what God created me to be. So if you didn't want to go to church with me, I'd go where you were and I thought maybe I could win you to the Lord that way. Well, that didn't work. I know, and that's why I'm here. I'm sorry for not being real with you. I'm sorry for letting you think that going out and partying was who I really was and that it was okay. But it wasn't me, and it's not okay. It's not what the Lord wants for me or for you. Okay. Amy, last night, I rededicated my life to God. I want to live my life His way. I also realize that you're one of my closest friends and I still don't want to lose you. I want you to know the Lord, but I'm not going to force him down your throat. God wouldn't want that. But I'm not going to put our friendship above my relationship with Jesus again. I'm sorry for giving you the wrong impression. I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. I am not perfect, Ames. I struggle with choices like you do. I'm just sorry I wasn't honest and real with you from the very beginning. You're forgiven. What? You're forgiven. Thank you. You're welcome. So, ask me. Excuse me? Ask. Oh, do you want to go to church with me on Sunday? Yes.
0: (laughs) Now, I want you to know that what you saw really did happen. And uh, what happened is we had this amazing college girl who was so off the charts in her commitment and excitement that, that she just seemed to be talking about Jesus all the time, which, which is okay to a point. Uh, but the reality was is uh, when she fell, she fell hard. And I remember walking back into the decision room, and I saw her there, and I was so excited to see her back, and I went over, and she is just broken, and she's crying, and she's hurting, and, and I started talking about, hey, God forgives, and, and God, God just loves you, and he would never turn, and she goes, no, 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 Chuck, I know that. What I'm hurting about is my friends. I have been such a horrible example of what a Christian is. I, I, I just have been... I've messed it up. I I haven't been living correctly. And I don't know how to do this right. And I I shared with her, you know what you need to do? Go back and apologize. Don't, Don't judge them. Don't tell them they're wrong. You go talk about the fact that you messed up. And you just get honest with them. And these three friends that she cared about so much, and this really did happen. One week later, the doors of church open and she walks in with all three. Now, what is it that made them come? Was it Christians being perfect? No, it wasn't. You see, one of the things the Bible teaches us is that God is worshipped in spirit and in truth, right? And and what we need to get honest about is we're not perfect. What bothers people very often who are not a part of Christianity, they're not a part of an experience with Christ, is when we walk around acting like we're more holier than thou. And the reality is, is the closer you get to God, the more aware you are of your failings. And we're not to have a down self-image or walk around beaten. But the bottom bottom line is this. We got to get honest about who we are. And when she sat with her friends and began to talk about the fact, I'm not perfect. It's kind of interesting. That's what brought them to Christ. Two of the three girls gave their lives to the Lord. That's what brought them to come. That's what opened the door. And and here's what I want you to grab. We're going to get into this as we go later. God is amazing. God is amazing at taking our failures, taking our our hurts, and taking our sin. And now think about that sin and causing that to work in an amazing way for good. Romans 8, 28 is another favorite verse of almost all Christians where God says uh, that, for I cause all things to work together for good for those who love me and are called according to my purpose. Now, now all things. God says, I'll take even your sin. I'll take your pains, I'll take your, your failures, and I'll, I'll interweave. Those are like, you know what it is? It's like the dark area, the tapestry. It's like the dark area, the black light poster, and, and it's dark and it's bad, but we don't hide from it. What happens is as God takes and interweaves his presence and his love and his will, and we step back, we, we don't even focus on the dark anymore. No, nobody's ever walked and looked at a, a black light poster and said, man, that black looks cool. No, you look at the vibrant thing that pops out. And you know what God says? If you let me wrap my love and grace and mercy around, then then what pops out will be incredible. Now, I know some of you are going, well, wait a minute. Does that mean that we sin, that, that, that God might do great things with it? And the answer, Paul said, no, we don't sin that grace might abound. Don't do that. It's not like, well, God, I'll give you glory. I'll go sin big. But guess what if you do? He still loves you. If you do, and I want to say this, it's not taking away that sin is bad and hurts, but let me say this, you're in a room filled with people who've done the same thing. I was talking with a guy one time, and he said, man, I've been to your church, and i got to be honest, there's a lot of messed up people in your church. And I said, you're right, there are. I said, but when you go to a hospital, there's a lot of sick people there too. And you don't walk into a hospital and go, man, what a horrible hospital, there are sick people. And when you walk into a church, and people aren't pretending, People aren't putting on a show. I think what happens then is that people begin to see God. They begin to see him for who he is and see him for the amazing grace he has. See him for his love. Does God want us to sin? No, but he wants to forgive us. He wants to cleanse us. He wants to take that and use that for good. God wants to take your hurts. And, and while he may not want some hurt and pain that's been inflicted upon you, he wants to take that and wrap his love around that and make that beautiful too. God wants to take my failure and your failure and wrap his love around that. And what happens is we stand back and we see this amazing thing that God does. And we're gonna study him. On how God does that and begin to look for him more than ever. But when we grab hold of that, guess what happens next? When we allow God to forgive us and we get honest about who we are and then we say, okay, Lord, and this is a key phrase here, Lord, help me. Guide me. I want to know your will for my life. And by the way, God has a will for your life. Maybe one of the most questions I get asked most often is this, how do I know God's will? Because God does have a will. How do I know what direction I should go, what job I should take, what house I should buy, what car, what 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 relationship to get into, what one to get out of. How do I know that? Because God does have a plan for you, a very unique one. Well, you know, the Bible has some answers to that. And people all the time are walking up saying, How can I know? Well, in this next period of time we're gonna study it. Justin is a college guy who's just pretty frustrated though. He loves the Lord with all his heart, mind, and soul. But he's not sure where God wants him to go.
2: Come on, dude, let's go. I gotta finish this application. Well, can you hurry up, please? I'm sick of drinking coffee. Then order something else.
1: Something else for you guys?
3: Uh yeah, let me get. Uh, mango rasmataz with ginkgo boloba.
1: And you? <laughs> Help! <laughs> In a minute.
2: What's the problem? Why are you having a cow over this? This application. It wants me to declare a major. So, declare away. That's just it. I don't know what I want to do with my life. Like, I don't know what God wants me to do. I mean, how do you know what God's will is for your life? I don't know, I guess you kind of just pick
3: something, and if it's wrong, he'll let you know. Eh, Wrong answer, go back three spaces.
2: Okay. well, why did you choose psychology? I like crazy people. <laughs> seriously, seriously though. No. Oh, sorry. Uh,
3: I don't know, I like helping people you know, get through their problems. I find it really satisfying.
2: I got a problem, help me out. No, I've known you
3: too long. It's been kind of like, you know, a long time. We're best friends, you know. It'd be a conflict of interest. Right.
1: Here, click on that.
2: Aptitude questionnaire?
1: Yeah, you fill it out and it tells you what your major should be based on how you answer the questions.
2: All right, I'm up for anything at this point. Wow, God's will at the click of a button. What is this world's coming
3: to? What are you gonna consult next, the chicken bones? You know what you could do? Why don't you ask my mom what you should major in? She loves to tell people what she thinks they should do. (laughs) Why don't you ask her? I did, that's why I'm a psych major.
2: All right, I just have two more. There, and that, enter. What? Are you kidding me? What does it say?
1: Proctology.
2: <laughs> proctologist? You're gonna be a proctologist?
3: But it, it, isn't that the doctor that checks you? Yeah. Uh,
2: yes, and no, I am not going to be a proctologist. <laughs> oh,
3: but doctor, the pain isn't in my head, it's in my...
2: <laughs> Stop. Stop. How'd you answer those questions? I don't know, man.
3: <laughs> you know what, actually, I'm sorry, you know, ask your best friend, I know for a fact that you can always be trusted to stand behind someone. <laughs> okay, okay. I always do you get it in the end.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. You two could go into business with each other after college, you know, psychology and proctology, and you could put out a sign that says odds and ends.
4: <laughs> you
5: too, Jen? Seriously? He always hates being the butt of our jokes. <laughs>
2: You know, you guys are just a real pain right now. I I can't handle it.
3: A pain? Where, Justin?
0: (laughs) Uh, I've been waiting all week for you to hear that. But you know what? God does have a will for your life. And here's what I want you to grab. As we begin to study about how God interweaves, how God works, how God acts, he actually says, I have a plan for you, a very specific plan. I mean, he really cares about you as an individual. Listen to what it says in Psalm 32.8. God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. God says, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. God actually promises to give direction in your life. And that's one of the most amazing things ever. And we need to discover how God does that and how to follow that and how we know to make choices. Listen to how specific this gets. Psalm 25 verse 12 says, who is the man who fears the Lord? God will instruct him in the way he should choose. Did you grab that? God says, if you fear me, if you know me, if you respect me, I will give you direction. I will give you instruction. I'll show you the way to go and what you should choose. I'll show you whether you should take that job or not. I'll show you whether you should marry that person or not. I'll show you whether you should move or whether you should stay. God says, I'll show you that. I'll show you that based on your giftedness and based on what you've experienced in your life, I'm going to show you. How I can take all of that and you can use it in a way that brings amazing eternal effects and your life has meaning and matters. One of the worst things I ever think that happens to anybody was when they don't live a life that's a significant life, a life that matters. And let me promise you something, when you get yourself centered in God's will and you let him guide and direct you, then what you step back and see is, oh man, I can't believe how incredible it is. One of the things that really bothers me, and if you're brand new, you're going to hear this over and over if you come, is when I hear Christians say, followers of Christ say, well, it's, it's good being a Christian. That's not what the Bible says. It should be, be exceedingly abundantly, uh, beyond all you could ask, think, or imagine. It says that eye is not seen nor ear heard whatever God, what has entered in the heart of man, what God has prepared for him. God has prepared things for you. And it's more than it could be described. It's more than you could imagine. It's more incredible than ever. And God says, that's what I want for you. And when we follow God's will, then we want to grab hold of that's what it's like. Now, let me give you a heads up, and we'll talk about this again in the next three months often. God almost never tells you the whole plan. God almost never tells you the whole direction. He doesn't say, follow me, and here's where you're going to be. He almost never tells you that. Do you know what he does? He says, I want you to take this step. I want you to make this choice. I want you to do this particular action. I want you to not do that one. And then you turn around and realize that God is taking you on a journey and it's you and he together. I don't know if you would agree with this, but one of my favorite movies is called What About Bob? I love What About Bob? And it's kind of an older one, but what it is, it's about a guy who has a lot of dysfunctions in his life and and, and to be honest, he knows he's pretty messed up. And he wants help, but he knows this. And over and over in the movie, he knows the true answer to his reaching a place of wholeness. If anybody's seen the movie, what is it? Baby steps. And he, right when he's in the point and things are overwhelming, he goes, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. I think if you picture God correctly, you have a father who wants to adopt you as his child, and he reaches out his hand and says, let's do a baby step. Take this step. Take this step. And all of a sudden, you turn around and go, God, look where we are. God says, yeah, and it's not over yet. It's going to get better and better. And as you take each step with him, sometimes what happens is you end up standing in the moment, and if you can have the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the heart to understand, you see you're in the center of God's will and you're able to seize uh, those moments that stand out more than ever. The danger, though, sometimes, I think, is when someone is standing in that very moment and they don't see what's right in front of their face.
6: So, what? how'd it go? A big date with future Mrs., second runner-up future Mrs. Orange County. Is she the future Mrs. Wright? You're on at about 10. Thanks, Hey, Jen. Ronnie, so how was the big date? Is she the future Mrs. Wright?
4: You told her? It's Jen.
6: Yeah, it's me. So, how'd it go? It was all right. Just all right. She sounded great, a Christian, a beauty queen, almost. She sounded as if she was answered all your prayers. You got something against tall, blonde, blue-eyed beach babes?
4: Actually, I like dark hair, Natalia. I do like blue eyes, though. Kind of like the color of yours.
6: I don't know, you sound pretty shallow.
4: (laughs) Whoa, 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 slow down a second. It's not just that. You know, we went to the ball game, and she liked it.
6: The game was good, huh?
4: Did you go? No, I
6: watched it anyways.
4: Oh, well, I honestly don't know if we have anything else in common besides being Christian. I mean, I started asking her what kind of books and authors she likes to read, and she said she's not into reading. Hey, Natalia. I like the book.
3: Thank you. I would love a girl that could read, huh?
6: So, she doesn't like to read. What else?
4: Well, you remember that time we went down to Skid Row? Yeah,
6: it was so awesome.
4: Yeah, I, I love it so much, you know? And I asked her if she wanted to go with us, and she said she wasn't really comfortable with that. And I guess it's okay. I mean, it's not everybody's thing, but man, I, I love it so much, you know?
6: Yeah, me too. Well, what else was wrong with her?
4: Well, I, I know this is going to sound a little, little odd, a little picky, but when we were at the game, um, Seventh inning stretch, we all stood up to sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. <laughs> she is so loud and tone deaf, it's unbelievable. She stood up and started singing, everyone's like, what is going on right now? And I'm like, oh, I guess i just gotten so used to you singing good all the time, I just expect all girls to sing like that. Well, I mean, at least the girls that I like. Well, was she at least fun? I mean, yeah, she was fun. We had a good time, but honestly, like, I just have more fun hanging out with you.
6: Yeah, but we're friends, and we've known each other a while.
4: Yeah, but that's the point. I, I don't know if I want to take the time to find out if she's the right one or not. I, You know, honestly, I wish the perfect woman would just walk in here, sit down, and say, here I am, the one you've been praying for. Here I am, the one you've been praying for. Exactly, but we know that's not gonna happen. <laughs> so
6: the beauty queen's out?
4: Yeah, it looks like that, but you know what? I'll just keep on praying. All right, sounds like a plan. You know what? I think I'll give Mike a call. His cousin Gina, we know her, and she's a Christian. So I think I'll give her a call and see see what she thinks.
1: Natalia, it's time to sing. Thanks, Jen.
4: Thanks. You're welcome. Wow. What?
1: You guys are perfect together.
4: Really? I hadn't really thought about it. Hey, hey, what's up? Hey, Mike, it's Ronnie. Yeah. You think you could get uh, Gina's phone number for me?
0: By the way, that is too true. You know what, I got to tell you, over and over that question pops up, especially amongst uh, obviously certain particular life stage groups who say, how do I know that right person for me? Is there an answer in God's word? And by the way, there is. God tells us how to navigate through that amazing choice that that is not easy to make. And, And you need to know that. And God actually cares about that. As a matter of fact, grab hold of this. God loves love. In Proverbs 30, it says this. It says, there are three things which are incredible to me. Four which are beyond amazement. The way of the eagle in the sky. The way of the snake on the rock. The way of the ship in the sea. And the way a man is with the young girl. And they're just beginning to fall in love. God, God loves love. And you know what? When we follow his plan, then we begin to have our eyes open to finding the person if that's where your life stage is. Now, let me tell you that, that I have seen over and over again as we began to teach biblical principles uh, about this, people all of a sudden looking up and going, they're right in front of me. Maybe a lot of times we don't understand that, that God's will is revealed right in front of us. If we just open our eyes, if we just tune in. Now, Now, let me say this. Does God have a person for everyone? And I think this answer may surprise you a little. The answer is yes, He does. But I'm not sure how that works out. You see, God has a relational will for your life. He is one sure thing I can say is He doesn't want you to be alone. Uh, His relational will may be a family answer. His relational will may be a friendship answer. His relational will may be uh, locking in with somebody and and really sharing in ministry together and a partnership develops. It's so deep and so amazing that you have this bond you just can't break from and, and you don't want to. But I want to promise you this, however God guides, whatever he does, God loves love, not just romantic love. God loves for you and I to be loved by others and to love others deeply, and when we do that, it's amazing. But as we begin to study in the next three months, let me tell you what else you're going to see, is that if you're in God's will, it doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. If you're in God's will, it doesn't mean there's not going to be pain. As a matter of fact, if you and I love the way we're supposed to, that means we're going to have tender hearts. And, and let me even kind of give a parenthesis. For some of you, that means you're going to have to let the walls down and the barriers down. And, and the reason they're up is because people have betrayed you and they have hurt you. And I, I'm not trying to take away from that. I'm just saying that the right response to that wasn't to put up big walls. It wasn't to make your heart hard. But if you let God give you that tender heart he wants you to have, it's a heart that's in danger of being hurt and I almost want to guarantee you it's going to happen you see uh, I think that sometimes what happens is is we forget the fact that when we navigate through God's will we've got to have the same emotions God has obviously great times of joy but if we have that tender-hearted heart there's going to be tears
6: He looks at me. I a smile so he won't see what I want and I need. Is everything that we should be? I bet she's beautiful. That girl he talks about. She's got everything that I have to live without. Wishing on a wishing star. He's the song in the car I keep singing, and I don't know why. And he walks by me. Can he tell that I can hardly breathe? And there he goes, so perfectly. I wish I could be She better hold them tight Give them all her love Looking on those beautiful eyes And know she's lucky Cause here's a reason For the tears drops on my guitar The only thing That keeps me wishing On a wishing star so Is a song in the car I keep singing and I don't Know why Got enough for me to break my heart. He's a song in the car I keep singing, and I don't know why. He's a time taken up, but there's never enough, and he's all that.
0: I, uh, uh, I mean, I'm a Taylor Swift fan, okay? But um, the bottom line about that song when I first heard it is, I don't know how many times I've sat with someone who, their heart's breaking and it just didn't work out. And, and so often they go, well, you know, was that God? Was God in this? And, and I want to tell you too often the answer is yes. Uh, I've sat with people, not just in romantic situations, and all of a sudden the pain is just incredibly deep. And, and based on the, the kind of life I live, Pam and I are very often drawn into those situations and by the way, we get amazingly honored when people open up themselves and say, Chuck, we're hurting. Pam, we're hurting. Can you come help? Or other pastors here get to do that. And, and I don't know if you would agree with this, but I got to tell you something. When I ask, how often in my life have I really seen God? I think that tears very often are like glasses that help you see God more clearly than you can imagine. Now, I see God in the midst of joy, and we're going to later on get into a passage that people very often don't understand in Ecclesiastes, where it says, if you have a choice, go to the house of mourning instead of the house of joy. And people go, I, I don't, that sounds so demented, that sounds so wrong. And God's not saying he wants you always down and sad, but he's saying, if you really want to discover me, then you're going to probably see me more clearly than ever in the times of pain and tears. Now, why? Because God says, well, I'm going to, in the midst of your heart breaking, I'm going to interweave my presence and love, and you're going to sense comfort. You're going to sense consolation. You're going to sense my coming and putting my arms around you, and I'm not going to be far from you. Do you know that God loves you so much that he's treasured every tear you've ever shed? Psalm 56 verse 8 says, you have taken account of my wanderings. You have put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in my, in your book? God says, I I take every tear you've ever shed and I treasure it and keep it in a bottle. Not to memorialize your hurt and pain, but because I love you. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. As we study these next few months, I want you to see that in those moments, if we let God come, the pain doesn't always go away quickly, but oh, what God does in the midst of it is amazing and we need to let him do it. Psalm 147 verse 3 says this, God heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. I've watched that happen over and over again. And I've watched God take many of us, including me, and and put us in situations where we got to be a part of that healing. One of the things I want to do now is is I want to meet up with Josh because uh, he's suffered a devastation and now it's falling in on him. The clouds are dark and things aren't easy. And uh, he's not navigating correctly, and he needs someone to help.
1: Josh, we have missed you around here.
7: I know, I've been pretty busy.
1: Hey, uh, Chuck is here. I know he would love to see you. Let me get a drink for you guys.
0: Man, I've been looking forward to seeing How you. How Chuck?
7: Good. Good. Yeah, I've been pretty scarce. It's, it's been about a year since I've been here. I know it's kind of an odd place, but did you know this is where I propose, proposed to Laura? You know, I thought so. <sighs> yeah, she she actually screamed. She was so surprised when I gave her the ring. Man,
0: it sounded like it was perfect.
7: It was. She was.
0: I know. Josh, how are you doing?
7: <sighs> I'm alright. I mean, for the most part, I just fake it. I mean, what do what did people expect me to do? I know. I know it's been almost a year, but it still hurts. I know. I, s- I still miss her. I-, I don't know what to do about it.
0: You know what? You need to come back to church and let us walk with you through this.
7: You know, Chuck. I don't know if there is a way through this. I know what I said at her funeral—that she was with the Lord, and that that she was dancing in heaven with Jesus, and that I was happy for her, and that. God was going to use her tragedy for the, for the good of his kingdom.
0: You know, and you were right when you said that.
7: But honestly, Chuck, honestly, I don't think much of God's plan. I don't want Laura dancing in heaven with Jesus. I want her dancing here with me. I want to marry her. I wanted to raise a family. I wanted to grow old with her. That was my plan. I know. Then why did this happen, Chuck? Why did Why did he God let that man get in his car, drunk, hit my Laura while she was walking on the sidewalk? And why why didn't he just take her then? Why did he
0: let her suffer for two weeks? Two weeks. Josh, I I don't have all the answers. Well, you know what?
7: Until you do, until someone answers for this, I'm going to stay mad at God.
0: And, you know, I, I don't care what anybody thinks about it. Wait, Josh. Wait, wait, Josh. Wait. Why did you come here? What? There's a reason you said yes to coming here.
7: She was alive here once. I want to remember her smiling, her laughing, her living.
0: Do you remember? Yes, I do. You know, Josh, uh, my concern for you is that you had this amazing time in your life with her, an amazing girl that we all did love. And the things you shared, the things you did, the way you shared life together, the way you sought God together, you're taking Laura, and you're taking those moments of your life, and you're turning those into monuments of grief and bitterness. You're causing her life to actually be something that destroys yours. You know she wouldn't want you to have that. I don't, I don't know. No, you do. Don't you know that's true?
7: Yeah, I, I guess
0: you're right. You know, Josh, when, when you two were together, all of us saw how good you were for each other. Matter of fact, we talked all the time. I was amazed about how, as you dated, you used your your relationship to even minister and to, to lift other people up. As the Bible says, the two of you were better together than apart. But all the time, she would walk up and tell me, she would say, oh, I love, I love Josh. And I can't believe that God blessed him, or blessed me so much to have him in my life. And He's better than I could have ever imagined. That's how you guys were together. I, I don't know how. It's just, so, it's just so. But you know what? The whole time there was something missing. Do you remember the one thing she talked about over and over? She said, I still would do anything if my mom and dad would come to know the Lord. Yes. And you know what? Two weeks ago, Jean and Carol called me and they came in my office. And they uh, they told me that. They wanted you to know this, partly because of what you said at the funeral and how you were during that time, and the way the church loved and supported. But most of all, during those two weeks when Laura would come in and out of consciousness, she would beg them to come to know Jesus. They realized they needed him. And they, they in my office, sat and prayed and gave their life to Christ, and in two weeks they're going to get baptized.
7: They never told me this.
0: But Josh, you haven't been around. I know. You know what, if Laura could talk to you right now, you know what she'd say? You know and I know. She would say, Josh, she wants you to go on. She wants you to remember what happened, but she wants you to live the life God has for you now. You've got to take hold of that. I know it's not easy, but you gotta do it. I just miss her so much, Chuck. It's... I know. And you shouldn't quit doing that, but you gotta let God take you through the hurt and the pain.
7: Where do we go from here then?
0: You know why I asked you here today is because I wanted to start by praying with you. Let's pray together. Father, I love Josh, and I know I, I know the pain and the depth of pain he's feeling because someone he loved and cared about was ripped from his life in a horrible way. But Father, I pray he would sense your presence, your love, God, that you would bind up his broken heart, and as the healing happens, that he would find himself loving more deeply and living more for you than he ever has before. So, God, we pray that he would sense your presence. You would draw him close. And, God, I pray that he would see there's a reason. He's to live life to the fullest. And so, even, Lord, let this pain be to your glory and to your comfort in him. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: And now, you can get started with what you need to do.
0: Thanks, Chuck. Thanks, Chuck. Three times I've sat with men almost exactly like that. Two were uh, guys who lost their fiancés before their, their marriage. And one was a man who had an amazing wife, and they had only been married three weeks, and she was taken from them. And in all three cases, all three of those men responded in the beginning by talking about, you know what, I know God has a plan, and I know they're in heaven, and, and begin to talk about that with such joy. And by the way, they were honest when they said that. They were right. But I watched all three a period of time later. All of a sudden, it was like this wave of mourning hit them, and they were knocked to their knees and knocked to the ground. And, and, and in one case, one guy struggled incredibly badly. It was like he was drowning in sorrow, drowning in despair, drowning in depression. And it was the last thing that the girl he dated would have ever wanted for him. It's the last thing her parents would ever want. But you know what? When he let the church come around and love him through it, and he let God weave his grace in the midst of it, we saw a change happen. All three of those men today are walking with Christ, and they're seeing God do amazing things in their life. But I stood uh, next to a hospital bed and watched uh, Melody Honeycutt die in front of my eyes. And her mom and dad, Lee and Sharon, were not Christians. Later on, after she passed away, when they went through her Bible, they found the Sunday morning bulletin, and on it, she wrote in big words, God, whatever it takes for my parents to come to know you, let it happen. And they they called me up, and they said, come over, and I sat with them, and they prayed and gave their life to the Lord, and they're still walking with him today. Uh, God does that. And I want us to talk about how he does it. It's amazing when God does these things. And and it's not that he takes away the pain, but when he wraps his love around it, it's incredible. Now, if you're new to all this, there's a word that we use to describe all of how God works, and it's called grace. The grace of God, when it comes, when it wraps around, when God's grace enters in, it changes everything.
5: here yet? Who? My dad. Are you in trouble again? No. Mm. I don't think so. Well, he sent me a text, and he, he told me that he wanted me to meet him here, and that he wanted to talk, and that he didn't want to do it at home.
1: Well, what'd but you do this time?
5: Nothing. I swear. Gosh. I made sure I covered up all of my... Well, I mean, you know, I made sure he'd never find out. Oh, he's gonna kill me, huh?
1: I'll send flowers. Huh. Thanks, Jen. Oh, the executioner has entered the building. Hey, Jen. Hey,
8: Jen. Hey, Pop. Uh, son, Um, have a seat.
1: Can I get you two something to drink?
8: I'm fine, thanks.
1: And you? Yeah, I'll have
5: a mango.
8: Actually, I think I'm good. Okay. Do you, um,. Do you know why I want to talk to you?
5: Is it because I'm in trouble? Are you? I don't know. Am I?
8: Well, that depends on uh, how you think you're doing with that credit card we gave you.
5: Oh, that.
8: <laughs> no, that's fine. Really? So you're making all the payments and? Yeah, no, dad, that, everything is fine with that. You're two payments behind. And your credit is maxed out. How did you know that? <laughs> They called the house. My name is on the credit card too, you know.
5: Well, Dad, don't don't worry about
8: it. I'm gonna pay it off with my next couple of paychecks. Yeah, I called your work. They um. They said you quit. Y- Two y- weeks ago. You know, Dad, <laughs> that
5: job was so boring, though. You know, like, but you know, it's actually okay because I'm working with Carl right now with this DJ thing, and I'm gonna pay off the credit card that way. Why?
8: Why didn't you tell your mom and I about this, about your job, about the credit card?
5: I don't know, I, I didn't want you to think that I was a screw-up, <laughs> or that I couldn't get anything right.
8: Yeah, well, that's why I wanted to talk to you. I, I was afraid you'd feel this way. You know, it saddens me a little bit, though, that, that this is the opinion you think your mom and I have of you. <laughs> yeah, well, isn't it? No. Nothing could be further from the truth. Kevin, you have so much to offer so many people, including us. You are such a great blessing. I'm
5: always really screwing up, though, and letting you down and disappointing
8: you. Okay. Look, admittedly, you know, we're disappointed in, in some of the choices you've made. Like, like this credit card bill.
5: You, you saw it. No, dad,
8: I can explain it. It's. Oh, I'm. I'm sure you can. But um, you know, there are some things on here you, you can't explain away. This charge. This is wrong.
5: I, I know. And I'm sorry. I hate that I keep doing everything
8: wrong. No. You know. I, I know you do. I. I know that you must hate feeling this way all the time. That I, I, I don't know what to do. Well, I know what I'm gonna do. Oh, what? I'm gonna pay this credit card bill. You're, you're gonna what? I'm gonna pay off the credit card.
5: No, no, Dad, I, I did
8: this, it's my problem. no, no, no. It's our problem. <laughs> Son, I love your guts.
5: I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I'll pay you back. I promise. No, and here, no, 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 Actually, why don't you take the credit no, card listen. now and let's just let's just
8: start over, okay? Okay.
5: Thank you. You're welcome.
1: Good. You're still alive. <laughs> Fill this out.
5: What, what, wait. What is this?
1: It's an application. There are five shifts oh. open. You can start on Friday.
5: Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Jen.
1: Not a problem.
5: Um, and here, Dad, actually, why don't you take this anyway? <laughs> no, you don't have to do that. I, you could... And uh, you can give it back to me when I'm ready for it.
8: OK.
0: Now, for all of you students, For all of you students who think we're giving parental advice, no, uh, that, that wasn't the point. Some of you deserve to be busted. Um, but uh, twice, and I've shared it here before, I won't go into it now, I've watched that happen very personally. I, I did something very similar for my, my youngest son. And you know why I did it? Because I thought it was really, truly a picture of God. And what we we're trying to show you more anything right now is a picture of God. God sees the debt that has just been building and building and building, things that... We shouldn't have done things that are just upon us. And God looks at that and says, you know, I just need to pay that off. When you see God's will, God says, I, I want to give you start over times. And, uh, you know, some people feel like to come to Christ, what you've got to do is you've got to go earn it. And that's the last thing that happens. Listen to what it says. A very wise woman stood one time. Actually, they sought through the kingdom for a wise woman to, to bring wisdom. And listen to what she said. 2 Samuel fourteen fourteen. She goes, we will all surely die and are like waters spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. You know, unless the Lord comes back, every one of us are going to die. And when you go, that's it. There's no pulling it back. But listen to what she says. Yet God does not take away life, but he plans. And that's that word he interweaves. He plans ways so that the banished one will not be cast out from him. God in his will for you has planned different times. He wanted to touch you and say, do you know how much I love you? God has planned different times in your life when you've messed up that he says, you know what? I want to forgive you and I want to wrap my race, grace around that. I want to pull you close. I, I want to make it and, and wash you clean. I want to take and eliminate guilt from your life. Now, some people go, well, you know what? That's not fair. And the answer, God says, it's not about fair. It's about love. I love you so much. I don't want anything to stand between us. That's what the word of God teaches us. And so how do we come into this relationship? You ready? You ready? Just like any major relational change, the way you come into it is you actually say, you make a pledge, I want in. If you wanted to be a citizen of the United States of America, you'd go through classes, and then you hit a place where you'd make a pledge. If you don't make the pledge, you're not in. But when you do, you're immediately a citizen of the United States of America, change happens. People stand before me all the time, and I do their weddings. And not only because we feel it's biblical, but the state of California requires that that a pledge is made for the wedding to be legal. You know what God says? He says, I want you to do something. I'm offering you my love. I'm offering you my presence. What I want you to do is, will will you say yes? Will you pray a prayer? Will you say to me, I want to do this? Because I want to tell you right now, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what pain you've experienced. What matters most of all is you're going to let God take that and interweave his presence in the midst of it. And then all of those things you have experienced are going to have meaning in ways you can't imagine. Some of you today, you've never said yes to him. And our prayer has been that when you came here, you'd get touched by God and you would want to pray this prayer. You'd want to whisper these words. And in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to do that right where you're sitting. There are some, though, who are here today, and at one time, you were close to God. You were kind of like the Josh character. Something happened. And you know what Josh needed to do? He needed to come to God and say, God, this hurts so bad, but help me. And and he started over again, and in each of the three men's cases I told you about, I watched them grow closer to God and begin to experience things more. Some of you today, you need to say yes again, not to become a Christian again. You need to say, Lord, I, I don't know why we're not close. Let me tell you this. If you're not close to God today, if you're not in an intimate relationship with him, it is not because he doesn't want you. He loves you. And if you've messed up, he still loves you. And if you just have not messed up, you're just not sure, let me tell you, he still loves you. And uh, as we get ready to pray, I'm going to ask that if, if you sense God calling you in this moment, I'm gonna ask right where you're sitting that you whisper a prayer and say this to this pledge to with me. Let's pray. Father, I ask and pray that your Holy Spirit move in this room. And I pray, God, that you would just really, really touch people and just, Lord, that deep down they can sense your love. And I pray right now that there would be some men and some women here, some guys and some girls who would know that this is their moment in time. And Lord, that they would want this. They would want it badly. And right where they're sitting, they'd be ready to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask that we keep praying, but I'm about to lead that prayer. And if you're right with God, would you pray for those who need to make a decision? But today, if you're ready to pray this prayer and say yes to him with me, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to whisper the prayer, but I also want to ask you to do this. If you're ready to say yes to him, would you let me know you're going to pray this prayer by lifting your hand in the air for a second, and then you can put it down. If this is the moment you're going to say yes, if this is your time and you're ready to say, I want to commit myself or recommit, just lift your hand where I can see you. Praise God for you. That is so awesome. Praise the Lord. And for here and for here. Praise God. Over here too. Praise the Lord, man. That's awesome. Way back there, I see you too. It's almost like you're lifting your hand, the right hand and saying, this is it. Let me look a little bit more right here. Praise the Lord for you. Praise God for you and back here for you too. And over here, And there's people all in that section and way up here, praise God. Okay, all over the room, God sees you and knows you. Let's just whisper this prayer together. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. But you died so I'd be close to you. So I'd be cleansed. So I'd be forgiven. And so I say, yes, I want this. Please fill me with your love. Fill me with your spirit. And help me be who you created me to be. And help me live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.